Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement, your source for news and commentary from a cultural and right of center perspective. African American Conservatives. Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm your host, Marie Strotter. Just reminding you to go to acons.substack.com. There you'll find links to our commentary, our podcast, all of our social media profiles, and also a place where you can support this particular uh, broadcast and all of our work. So without further ado, I want to introduce today's guest. Today's guest is Ryan Bomberger. He's an Emmy Award-winning creative professional, columnist, factivist, I love that word, factivist, and author of the powerful book, Not Equal, Civil Rights Gone Wrong. He's also the co-founder and chief creative officer of the Radiance Foundation, uh, a life-affirming organization based on the belief that every human being, every human life has purpose. Ryan has a rather unique perspective of the innate nature of purpose. He is one of 10 children uh, who were adopted and loved in a diverse family of 15. Today, as an adoptee and father of four, two of whom are adopted, and that's how we initially bonded, I believe, because I'm also an adoptive mother, he enjoys uh, illuminating the intrinsic worth we all possess I want to welcome back to the show, Brian Baumberger. Welcome hey. back, Brian. Hey, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. It's been it's been a little while. It's been a minute. It's been a little while. A little <laughs> minute. I mean, it's like I look at on you at Facebook, and I'm like, wait a minute, who are those big people in that picture with Ryan? He's got oh, little gosh. babies. He doesn't have big people. <laughs> they're 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 not babies anymore. Although no, you know, in our minds, as parents, are always babies. You know, they're yeah, yeah. yeah that's they're, weird. They're as tall as me, and they're going to be taller than me. It's yeah. okay. We feed dead. them vegetables, and they grow. <laughs> Next thing you know, they want to eat again. I know. I know. It's weird. 24-7. <laughs> I know. Uh, now, I want to talk about you and Bethany, your wife, Bethany. You just released a children's book called She is She. What can you tell us about the book and why you wrote it? And I think I know why you wrote it, but I want to hear you say why you wrote it. Okay, well, the simple reason why we wrote it, truth. We have a culture that so desperately needs the truth. Now, we live in Loudoun County, Virginia. I don't know if you remember that, but we're at the, you know, kind of like ground zero for school boards gone wild. And we have seen these disastrous policies being passed. You know, in, in schools across America, scores are plummeting, both reading and mathematics scores just plummeting. And we can't keep blaming COVID for everything. But while these scores are plummeting, the schools decide, well, let's just generate a bunch of activists. So they pour in all these gender radicalism, all this racist, critical race theory, while kids can't do the basics. And so it frustrated us. My wife, Bethany, is a teacher. She taught for both you know, public and private schools for over 13 years and now homeschooling mama for about 16 years. And we just got so fed up with this. So we thought, okay. Everything is centering around the insanity of identifying by your pronouns. Let's just write something just using pronouns. And so that's how she and she was born. We really wanted just to celebrate undeniable, biological, beautiful her. And we do that through, through rhyme in this beautifully illustrated children's book to get across basic concepts, to get across simple truth about how 
incredible and awesome it is to be a girl. I don't know what it's like to be a girl, but my wife does and my two daughters do. <laughs> and so we want to celebrate that femininity, celebrate motherhood, celebrate what it means to be a female. And yes, we do know what a woman is. It's so bizarre to me that we have to have this conversation in 2023. And, right. you know, right. that's another thing that you and I bonded about because, you know, I was a homeschooling mama for many, many years. All my kids are old now, but older, <laughs> older. They've grown right, up. Right. They're older um, because that would mean I'm old. But, you know, here's the here's the crazy thing. When I was a homeschooling mama, and this is where I got into a lot of this stuff, this was all before COVID, right? This is 10 12 years ago, my right. kids are voracious readers. You'd go to the library, but I would not let them take out anything that I had not looked through. I had to look through Good. all of their books and approve them before I would allow them to check them out of the library. Or if I let them check it out, they had to, you know, big pile in mama's room until I could go through. Did you go through that book? Yeah, I'm going through it. I'm going through it, you know. So there was nothing that they could read without my approval because there's so much garbage. Now, Ryan, yesterday, you know, I'm in Texas. Yesterday, our state capitol met to read, uh, to convene about HB 900, which is the book where there's no obscenity in our school libraries. And the stuff, I, I couldn't even sit through it. I couldn't. Right. I had to turn it down. I had to go in the other. I mean, I'm Christian. I can't hear some of that stuff. And I mean, the absolute, abject, horrific, disgusting graphic information right. that is in these books that are accessible to our children. And like you said, our kids are failing in our public schools that have been funded by Democrats for generations. And yet, guess what our kids do know? They know oh, yeah. their pronouns right. very well. Right. They know pronouns. They can't read except for pronouns. Right. They can't do math, <laughs> but they can do you know, they know the pronouns. And so it's ridiculous to me that we have to define what a girl is. And I don't, I, I'm sure that you're familiar with the case um, where there was a, a lawsuit because there was this little kindergarten kid who, you know, kids haven't even moved into concrete operations yet. You're talking about developmentally appropriate book that you wrote. Right. Um, kids haven't moved into formal uh, com concrete operations yet. So they're still in that kind of fantasy play. If somebody's dead, are they, are they going to stay dead? They, they, they don't have you know, those concrete concepts yet. And we're asking them to fix their gender or somebody else's gender. So this little kid, you know, kept seeing this bearded lady. <laughs> I mean, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's what it was. And getting confused and kept saying he, 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 and kept getting corrected. She, she, she. And there's a lawsuit because this kid was misgendering because the kid got, you know, um, expelled. And it's like a five-year-old gets expelled right. from school because they're looking at a man and wondering why they can't say he. Uh, so we're teaching them pronouns, but we're not even doing that correctly because no. he used the correct pronoun. <laughs> I mean, they refers to plural. Yeah. I mean, several people. And this is the whole thing. I mean, children are not testing grounds for someone's sexual and psychological affirmation. Yeah. And so I'm sorry that the adult is all confused, but we don't need to confuse the five-year-old child. And it's not even an issue of any kind of uh, genuine gender dysphoria. No. You've got schools pushing this and actually promoting it. Like, you're, you're really not who you think you are. Yeah. I mean, they're promoting and insisting on this. And of course, you know, peer pressure among young children is insane. And if you have the adult, the supposed adult in the classroom, promoting this kind of garbage, well, which way is the kid going to go? In fact, the sad thing is kids are in school far more 
than they are exposed to, you know, one-on-one parent time at home. Well, this is toxic. That's exactly why we homeschooled because I, you know, they're going to be out in the world far more, far, far more often than they would be at home with us otherwise. But it is ridiculous. It is insane. Parents are domestic terrorists for wanting to know the content um, of what's in their kids. You know, I need to have a PhD because I'm just a mom. You know, I don't know anything. I'm just a mom. So how can I evaluate what's in a book? Um, I know that shouldn't be in a book. I mean, I didn't right. know enough to know that. I mean, they used to put, you know, brown paper wrappers on some of those things when you would walk into, you know, a convenience store. So I know. Um, but it's insanity to me that parents right. are not trusted, um, that parents can't make the best decisions for their kids. And, you know, the one good thing about COVID was that parents got to see what their kids were being exposed to and thankfully started speaking up again being labeled as domestic terrorists but it's scary when you have a time and a place and 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 it's trying to normalize this behavior so that in 20 30 years when you're married to your goat and you're raising you know your polyamorous family with six goats five dogs you know a couple of kids and and they're not your kids you're married to the kids you know that kind of stuff i mean we're trying to normalize that behavior and here's the thing 20, 30 years ago, if a man visited a, a gentleman's club and he took his daughter with him or his son with him, what would we say to that? And yet we're performing these shows, these drag queen right. shows in front of these kids. And it's all right. around a sexual identity. Where is the educational value? Where's the redeeming? It's all graphic and oriented towards physical pleasure. There's no... There's no instructive anything being done. Oh, well, it's to learn about the lifestyle. I think we know quite a bit about that lifestyle now. Let's move along. You know, we've got little Netflix shows now where little kids are telling us, oh, well, I don't I don't feel real comfortable in my body. And I, I want to use they, them, because that's how I feel. Or frog self or ghost self. These are not words. It, it's No, but it is total confusion. And that's the point. I mean, if you can just dismantle which is this is the culture we're in everything needs to be dismantled you dismantle reality then you're dismantling objective truths so no one can actually know and therefore everyone is the own you know the own creator of his or her or zay's or zare's own truth of course i'm never going to use those real those fake pronouns in real life but and there's a million of them so how am i supposed to memorize them you know, this is the insanity because the Equality Act is what wants to force us all to use these fake pronouns or even just to use pronouns in the first place. Just think about it. The Civil Rights Act of 64 did not tell people, for instance, white people, what they were allowed to call black and brown people. And it shouldn't have because it's a violation of the First Amendment. Yet the Equality Act, a misnomer if I've ever heard one, yes. wants to force speech on us to accommodate the infinitesimally small percentage of the population, which, of course, is now increasing by leaps and bounds among this, you know, the Gen Z. Yeah. yeah. And, and then what, what's the what's the aftermath? And that's why when Bethany and I wrote this book. I mean, we love these kids. I mean, we, we love our kids. And we should also be concerned about other people's kids as well, because they're being exposed to this toxic ideology that leads to physical repercussions. I mean, consequences that can't be, yes, Yes. completely. Like Abigail Schreier says, irreversible damage. Oh, that book. 
Um, and yeah, it's, it, and here's the thing. I mean, gender dysphoria is still one in the DSM-5. It won't be, I don't think, much longer, but it's not. It's in the right. DSM-5, um, and which is, for those who may not know, it's the manual. It's, quote unquote, the Bible of mental health. And if it's in there, then it's a mental illness. If it's not, then it's not. But I mean, it, it gives you all the criterion for all of the big diagnoses and what you have to meet in order to be considered this category or that category, whatever. So there used to be, it was all boys, right? It was very right. few girls that presented and now it's almost all girls. Right, right. So it's that isolating period during adolescence that if we just left it alone would resolve itself, but we're doing things right. like cutting off healthy body parts and presenting ourselves so that, so that kids can't have kids. I mean, here's the thing. We don't let kids drink. We don't let kids drive. We don't let kids make, because as I said, their brains are still developing until they're 24. Right. Um, and so we don't let them make these other, I mean, to decide who you want to marry when you're 10. Uh, we don't let them do those kinds of things, but we're letting four-year-olds tell us, well, I feel like a boy, I'm wearing a dress and you need to call me Ginger. You know, it's just kind of, that's the way it's going to be. And, oh, okay, well, that sounds reasonable. Let's do that. You know, and so I don't, I don't get that, but we're, we're normalizing this thing. We're, we're making um, the awkwardness of adolescence and it's supposed to be awkward. I always right. say you couldn't pay me enough to be an adolescent again. <laughs> it's awkward. And we're just taking that and making a disease out of it right. that we now need to fix. Right. And this, I mean, we grew up in an age where it was just say no to drugs. And yeah. So now we're supposed to just say yes to a lifetime addiction of carcinogenic, dangerous drugs and yes. body mutilating surgeries. It's absolutely insane. You mentioned, you know, the APA, both APAs, the American Psychological Association, yes. the American Psychiatric Association, which, you know, it, there'll be no time before they remove gender dysphoria as any kind of, of disorder. But these are the same people that that say, well, multiple personality disorder is yeah. is a thing. Well, isn't that what this is to I mean, especially with the whole two spirit, this two spirit, that three spirit, this. I mean, it's yes. so insane. But these are the same people, too, that that are now saying the same medical association that are saying pedophilia is an orientation now. Minor attracted persons. Right. Oh, I don't even, I can't even stand the euphemisms. It doesn't matter what yes, euphemisms they throw out. We there. don't want to talk about pedophilia. Right. No. But they do, like here in Loudoun County. It's a euphemism. Yeah. Lawn boy and this book is is gay and gender queer. They want to push porn and God. pedophilia and they want to normalize this. And yet you can't read them at school board meetings. No. You get shut down across the country. No. I'm like, but then you approved it. You're the school board. Why are they in here? And so the other side knows that the best way to recondition and to brainwash these, these students is to get them as young as possible. And so my wife, Bethany, understands, you know, she, children's lit. She loves it. This has been her thing for years and yes. years. She understands the power of children's yes. literature. And so when we wrote She is She, we understood that it is a rare tool because there, there's hardly anything out there that actually teaches a common sense approach to this and we have you know two sections of the book what does what does the bible say and what does science say because science Good. constantly reinforces biblical truths but we want and something that's age appropriate in a world where these kids are bombarded with such toxic venom that tells them to actually hate their bodies i Girls already have it hard enough i mean yes. you, women go through things that guys never have to go through and I'm just saying, thank you, Lord, for that. But I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, not thank you that it's harder for them in some cases. But right. we don't, 
And that's why when a man all of a sudden identifies or a guy all of a sudden mm -hmm. identifies as one, you don't know, you can't identify. You don't know what they go through. I had six sisters. I know a little bit, but I can't ever, I mean, I'm not going to co-op that experience you know, appropriate womanhood, like it's some sort of costume and throw it all myself and pretend, well, one, I have no desire or inclination to do that. But for those who do that, like Richard Rachel Levine, the yes. assistant secretary of health, I mean, this is insane. He has no idea what a woman has gone through, but yet somehow he's allowed to appropriate womanhood and Rachel Dolezal can't appropriate, you know, the, the Caucasian right. NAACP right. leader who pretended right. that she was black, right. but right. she can't be black. Why not? Why not? Yeah. That, and that's so insulting, too, because you think about it and, um, you know, we're erasing women, right. all the sports records that they have. They're being erased um, and they're talking about a marginalized population that's perfectly fine with marginalizing another population. Right. It's LGBT um, patriarchy. Yeah. Marie. That's what it is. They always talk I about patriarchy. They are doing it. <laughs> yes. You use that term. Define that for us and tell us what that means. Well, patriarchy is typically defined as a system where men oppress women, women by ruling over them, by displacing them. And that's exactly what's happening in sports, for instance, where now people who identify as girls, students or men in these professional leagues who identify as a woman all of a sudden get to be. It doesn't matter if they've gone through the surgery. It doesn't matter because their body is already significantly different. This whole thing about, oh, what they have these certain number, you know, certain percentage of hormones and their body's already different. Their lung capacity is already greater. Their arms are already longer. Their muscle structure is different. Their upper body strength is more, actually their, their whole body strength is, is more um, when it comes to powerlifting, that type of thing. When it comes to running and swimming, they're already advantaged because there are thousands of biological differences between men and women. Thousands of them. I don't know why we pretend that, oh, you're taking drugs now, that's going to change everything. No, it doesn't. I mean, it keeps harming that person that's taking them. But this is what's happening. Women are being displaced. I mean, in 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 track especially, which is why we include one of those images in our book, She is She, that these girls are being replaced by guys who simply just say, I'm a, I'm a girl. And he gets to wipe them all in these races. So they miss out on scholarships. They miss... Yes. I mean, that, among many other things, placement in, in state tournaments, this is insanity. And why any parent who's sitting in the stands or who's sitting in, 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 you know, in, a, in an arena or wherever the, the, the event is taking place, for any parent to sit there and be okay with this, this is absolute, this is insanity to have guys wipe out what Title IX was created yes. specifically to do to create a separate sport so that there could be equality, that women yes. could compete, that girls could compete. And right now, especially under Biden, there's this Title IX takeover that's saying, oh, if you identify as a guy, you know what? You actually have a protected status. What? Well, and like you said, the, the, some of these drugs haven't been, the longevity hasn't been studied. But here's the other thing. How do these people obtain medical care? I heard a hearing last week where this person is saying, you know, I was one of the first people to, to transition. And now I'm in my 40s, 50s. I've gone through menopause. There's, you know, I, I'm not getting adequate care because they don't know what to do with me. Um, and so we're looking at Camp Lejeune, you know, 26, uh, 2060, you know, right. all those ads are going to be like, did you take puberty blockers? Did you take hormones? I mean, because here's the thing. We don't know what the effects of these drugs are. Again, the medical care for this um, in the future is unknown. But here's the thing. Puberty solves a problem. 
right? It takes the child and turns the child into an adult. And to interrupt that process, interrupt something. It yeah. stunts growth. It does all of these other things. So for the problem that you solved that was not even a problem to begin with, you're creating a number of other health problems, oh, not yeah. to mention population problems. We'll get to that. Um, and, you know, um, and, and maybe we should pivot to that. You were adopted. Tell us, first of all, your story, because you have a unique pro-life perspective that I think very few people have. But now we're seeing people who are in same-sex relationships, in essence, again, robbing women. They're renting a womb to create right. families. So right. tell us your story. You know, my story began with my courageous birth mother who experienced the, the horror and the violence of rape. You see, I, I'm that exceptions case. When people talk about abortion, they're always using my life story in a way, uh, except without my face or my actual whole story in order to justify all abortions. I'm the 1% used 100% of the time to justify abortion. And yet my birth mom courageously not only gave me life, but gave me the incredible gift of adoption to grow up in a diverse family of 15, where out of the 13 kids, 10 of us were adopted, were, were white, black, white, and black mixed, like I am, uh, Native American, Vietnamese, able, disabled. So when you grow up in a group of, of human lives like that, where the world says, you know what? you don't fit the picture of perfection or you weren't planned. You're going to be unwanted and unloved. And you had parents who shattered that whole myth and helped unleash our purpose. You see things from a very different perspective. I mean, I, I'm the, you could say probably the most marginalized among the marginalized, which is why I've committed my life through our work through the Radiance Foundation to protect the most vulnerable because that was me. And now being a father of four where two of my kiddos were also adopted no human life is is a throwaway. Every human life has God-given purpose. And so this is what we fight for. And part of fighting for that, that truth that every human life has purpose is also fighting for basic truths like God made us male and female, Genesis 127. I mean, these are basic things about our core identity. If If we can't even trust to know some of these most fundamental things, then what can we trust? And that's the whole point. That's the point of critical race theory, critical theory, queer theory. It is to get you to question reality because the whole premise of critical theory basically is that there is no truth, which is interesting coming from a theory that espouses the science. its truth. Yeah. Right. Well, which science? The, the pseudoscience or real yeah. science? And so that's why, you know, I'm a factivist. And then I thank God for my mom. You talk about your kids being voracious readers. My mom encouraged us all to read like crazy. My mom is probably the most avid reader I've ever known, which led me to my love of reading and my love of words. And so our, our challenge now is how do we frame these difficult issues and, and engage in these? Because when we're quiet as Christians, you know, the devil wins. And I, I'm I'm not content with that. No, so we, I'm not either. We and try to frame these crazy. things. Yeah, it makes me a little crazy because here's the thing, you know, don't shove your religion down my throat. Well, you're shoving, you know, all of this agenda down my throat. Um, and it's a cult. I think it is. It, here's the thing. I, I said this the other day to some folks um, uh, at church, and I just said, you know, here's the thing. Uh, 
People talk about Christians should not be political, but these are not political issues. These are kingdom issues. Yes. Traditional marriage is a kingdom issue. Life is a, I knit you in your mother's womb before you were born. I knew you, right. you know, all of these things. It was a sin to uh, hurt a woman who was pregnant. And, and if the baby died, all of these things are in the Bible. These right. are kingdom issues. So don't tell me they're political. They're not political issues. 100%. They're kingdom issues. So the kingdom needs to do something about it and stand on these issues and talk right. about it. And that's one of the things that I really, really love about you and Bethany. You're talking about this stuff and you don't just talk about it. The She is She book is very engaging and very colorful. I mean, you're artistic by nature. All of your factivist posts, if you haven't gone to the radiancefoundation.org, you need to look at these factivist posts, all these things that are made to share uh, and, and provide information with facts yep. in a very loving, respectful way. But at the same time, you know, providing information because it is science and we're hearing all the time that we're, we're science deniers, but I'm not the one that's saying there's too many two genders. I, I mean, I have pronouns and they are your Royal majesty. So, you know, <laughs> your highness works also with a pinch HRH. It's all good. You know, but you know, no, it's all a distraction and it's yeah. all an effort to control, um, to control speech, to control the narratives and to control uh, who is a victim? I mean, that's the whole thing. It's perpetual victimhood. Yeah. And to think that, you know, Christians who who write this off and say, well, this is political. First of all, everything is moral and spiritual first. Everything is spiritual first, moral. How do you deal with moral issues? How, how do we fight for civil rights? I mean, there are a lot of churches and pastors who wrote that off as political, which is why a letter from a Birmingham jail was written. I mean, a scathing letter to pastors who didn't engage on the most fundamental things. Well, the same thing is happening today with pastors who don't want to engage on these things, saying writing it off because it's an excuse for them to not engage as political. The political process, the legislative process, is how we bring a cure to some of these things. But we know it's it's continually a spiritual battle, continually a cultural battle. and powers. Right. But in the meantime, you're talking about lives. That, I mean, this increases suicide ideation. That's one of the biggest... Yes. Um, it's one of the biggest defenses of the, the woke and the morally broke in that, oh, well, you're going to cause this child to commit suicide. No, actually, it increases. In fact, looking at a Norway study, which they've embraced all things LGBTQ++++ for a long time, those who are post-op trans women and trans men, trans men, their suicide rate is three times higher than heterosexuals and trans women suicide rates are five times higher. So this whole garbage is somehow you're pushing someone into suicide. No, what you're saying is I love this person too much and there is counseling available. In fact, many of them, as you mentioned, actually just kind of naturally grow out of this confusion. Yeah. But for those who have genuine gender dysphoria and there is trauma that has led to that, which is also what the other side ignores, yes. there is help and there's hope. In fact, we have resources at sheisshe.com for those who are actually experiencing that. And there are a lot of other great resources to dig deeper. The book is, by the way, um, right here. The book is completely appropriate for children two to eight years old. And I'm a little biased, but it is really cute. I'm just saying this is, um, it's just, a, a, you know, when a, when a parent reads this with a child, they're learning too. This is actually our daughter on the first page here. It says, she is she. This is the illustrator, Ed Kaler, is awesome. And the next page says, she is not he. She is not we. And then it ends with she. I can't turn the pages fast enough. Uh, she is she. This is so basic. 
this is something that we should be just shouting from. And then I talked about the whole track picture. I would be heartbroken to see my daughters in their basketball games or in their other sports in soccer to be displaced by a guy. Why? I mean, my boys are equal to my girls. We're all equal, but we're not the same. And this ideology that tries to blur all these lines and create total confusion, it's nothing but chaos. And any Christian parent who has been duped into thinking, oh, I'm being loving and I'm being inclusive. No, you're actually aiding and abetting the self-destruction. That's absolutely right. Now, I want to talk about something that you tweeted. Um, you tweeted, quote, first came diversity, then came inclusion, then came equity. The racialists know the acronym spelled D-I-E. So they changed the order to diversity, equity, and inclusion. You can rearrange the words, but you can't cover up the cultural poison that is D-E-I. Tell us about that tweet. You know, I've... <sighs> I've been dealing with this for years and years. One, because I speak in a lot of college campuses. I've been Harvard, Princeton, University of Notre Dame, Columbia Law School, the list goes on and on, of schools and just talking about a lot of these issues, primarily the issue of abortion, talk about adoption. But it's inevitable. We talk about fatherlessness and race and racism. Yeah. yeah. And so I realized that there, there were responses without any other substance behind them that were all common. And so years ago, probably about six years ago, I started researching critical theory and critical race theory. And then I realized, oh, okay. So this is, it's not just a theory and they always call it an academic or a legal theory. No, it's an absolute cult because you can't ever challenge it. Anything that can never be challenged is a cult. Um, and I'm not talking things that are scientifically proven, but things in theory that can never be challenged aren't a theory anymore. And so I have seen this play out. I have been uninvited from events because the DEI directors, by the way, what qualifies someone to be a DEI, D-I-E, um, director at a school? <laughs> and in fact, one, I even watched her on YouTube. She says, people always ask me, you know, if what kind of qualifications do you need to be a DEI director? She goes, actually, you don't really need qualifications. There's no like course. Work. I'm like, well, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> because, and then what makes them more diverse? I mean, if you're a black individual who, who's grown up in an all-black all community, why are you considered diverse? If you're a white person who grows up in an all-white community, why are you diverse? But somehow, I just find it funny that someone who actually grew up in a mixed environment, who, <laughs> who was mixed himself um, and has been in mixed environments and has worked in mixed environments for 15-plus years, 20 years, why am I not qualified? Plus, why am I not qualified to speak at your school? And I would get canceled. School after Christian school after Christian school. And so I would dig even deeper into this. And I realized this is all the same thing. The anti-racism movement, BLM, which is why I ended up writing an op-ed that went super viral. Um, 10 reasons why I will never support the Black Lives Matter movement. Yes. It's all the same yes. ideology, toxic, racist, Marxist. And for me, DEI, which now they've added another letter, by the way, J. So that now they call it Jedi. You'll see in some places. I'm like, no. I mean, Disney already corrupted no. Star Wars. Why are you going to corrupt What's it more? The what is going What's the, where is that? Oh, the J is justice. justice. Yeah. It is so insane. They can eat. And this is the thing about the, the left and the world. They want to add these acronyms that never acronyms that don't even know themselves. Like, okay. Well, of course it's fluid, but this is why as someone who is white and black, my heart, 
is to see through the breakthrough filter of Christ, yes. not through the broken lenses of the world. And when in Acts 17, 26, it says he made us from one blood. I believe it. We're all from the same blood. We are one human race. Does that mean we should be colorblind? No way. God's a colorful God. I mean, yes. he created color for us to enjoy and to celebrate, but never to separate ourselves by it. Right. So this is why I'm fighting this, this racist, anti-racist movement and this insanity of DEI, which I think brings death to nearly everything it touches. Am I all about diversity? Yeah. Kingdom diversity? Yes. That perspective. Do I think people should be included? Yes. To an extent. What does that mean? Because inclusion also means that I have to give up my beliefs in order for you, for instance, the whole transgenderism nonsense and all things LGBTQ, furry, 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 whatever is included in all that. <laughs> I don't want to even start off furry. So that's not inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all know equity is a joke because equity is typically very racist and it's not about equality. And so that's why I just think, you know, there's, there's a way to approach the issues of race. Um, and I'm putting that in quotes from a kingdom perspective and the church should be leading on these issues, not relying on broken social movements. Amen to that. Now you have a sequel to She is She coming out. He is He. What can we expect in that book and when can we expect it? He is He will be released in August. And it's, you know, because we believe in gender equality. We want to we want to celebrate what it means to be a girl, but also celebrate what it means to be a boy. Oh my goodness, if boys are on the receiving end of all kinds of negative propaganda. Toxic masculinity. Oh, please. I mean, masculinity itself to the left is toxic. But thank God for masculinity. Thank God for men who are men. Thank God for boys and, and all that makes them boys. And so we're going to be celebrating what it means to be a boy, just like we did celebrating what it means to be a girl, and just dismiss these notions from the, the woke left that somehow want to pretend that these two things don't exist. And they're different in many ways, and yet we're same. We're the same in some ways. Of course we are. But just to celebrate what makes us different. You know, all the suppression of boys and the and the constantly, you know, diagnosing with ADHD. I mean, that's I'm like, you mean he's a boy? I mean, <laughs> the overdiagnosis, I would say, right. uh, of boys and the constant. I mean, the programs that exist that seem like they're always for girls. Like, if you're a little boy, then and you're and you're constantly excluded from so much. So many of the awards programs, so many of the you know STEM programs or the STEAM programs. I mean wouldn't you then be like, well, maybe I should be a girl, especially if you're a young boy who's all confused and on the receiving end of such negativity. I'm tired of it. So he is he will be released by the Ratings Foundation in August. We wish we could have done them at the same time, but our amazing illustrator was not able to do both books um, simultaneously, but we're getting there, boys. You're awesome, too. Well, the, the point that you make is well taken. The fact of, that here's the thing, you can put a dress on someone and say, hey, I'm a girl, but there are some differences that are hardwired. It's hard coded yes. into that DNA and you can't graft that out. No, you can't take that out. You can't drug it out. No, and you, you can't, can't mutilate it out either. It's in our DNA. It's absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, so I want to ask you one last question. Now that we are past Roe v. Wade, um, you know, thank goodness for that. Uh, a lot of us have prayed about that. But people think, well, then there's nothing to do. 
Um, we've got uh, abortion pills. We, we've still got that going through the mail and we've got to address that. We've still got CVS and Walgreens um, that need to stop selling these um, and the whole mail order piece of it. What other work still needs to be done in the pro-life movement in your estimation? Well, we have to remember evil never sleeps. No, It never sleeps and good cannot relent either. And so when Roe was overturned with the Dobbs decision, I was praising God for that. And that was a victory, but the battle is ongoing. In fact, it's just kind of morphed and changed. In fact, a lot of states, for instance, are, you know, the, the, the radical pro-abortion left that wants abortion, not just through the entire pregnancy, but they also want the added infanticide up to 30, 45 days after birth. So we cannot, we cannot rest. We have to get involved and get involved in your state right to life groups, find out from your state lawmakers, what they're what they're pushing as far as the, the pro-life bills and what they're fighting against, because they're trying to enshrine abortion as a right in state after state, Maryland, in the state of Ohio, uh, in in these ballot initiatives. We have to be aware of what's going on. Also be aware of what's going on in your local schools and what's being pushed. There are many times when Planned Parenthood is trying to get um, to you know, trying to get into the local schools, and many of them are particularly urban schools through school-based health clinics, find out who is involved and if Planned Parenthood is involved, find out who your local city council is sending money to. Because a lot of times local city councils are sending money to Planned Parenthood. There are so many ways Girl that Scouts we can be involved. are involved. Oh, their curriculum. And absolutely. I see a lot of people at church who have their kids in Girl Scouts and it's Girl right. Scout cookie season. I am not buying Girl Scout cookies. No, they, they're part of the Worldwide Girl Guides and Association, World, what is it, WAGS, Worldwide Association of Girl Guides. And that association, every Girl Scout is automatically a part of WAGS, and WAGS is radically pro-abortion, pro-prostitution. I mean, we write about this on Radiance.life, the easiest way to get to our website. We write about this extensively. It's shocking. There's an alternative, American Her Heritage Girls, yes. that you don't have to be part of the Girl Scouts. But there are so many things that we have to be vigilant about. Work um, volunteering for our pregnancy centers, our local pregnancy medical clinics, and our maternity homes. There is such a great need out there, and there are many ways that we can stay engaged, stay involved. The battle is not over. This will and these be pregnancy ongoing. Centers, the pregnancy centers um, actually, I think, um, do far more. Even if I were a pro-life, a, a pro-choice person, which I never was, even when I was a Democrat, um, but. Uh, they they care for people uh, through uh, the age of three. They assist with rent. They assist with childcare. They assist with so many other things. It's not just uh, the 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 around the birth of a child, which is what the abortion addresses. Abortion addresses, you right. know, um, taking care of the inconvenience, if you will. But what pro life centers do, and uh, these. Uh, pregnancy care centers is they provide all of the things they go around a woman and provide all of the supports, um, diapers, rental assistance, and all of these sorts of things. So yes, absolutely. We do need to reach out to our pregnancy care centers and um, assist them with all of the things that they need because they provide true wraparound services, not just fix an inconvenient problem that you got yourself into I mean, you talked about some of the very statistical things, the cases where, you know, someone was conceived in rape or where right. the life of the mother was at stake or whatever it might be. We're not even addressing that, even though I believe that, you know, life is life and it's sacred. And, you know, like your mother who gave 
life. I believe that that is such a gift. And I believe that it does, every life does have purpose. But even so, we're talking about very rare cases. We're talking about the majority of these inconvenient pregnancies. I think those are the 96% of pregnancies that we see terminated are because it's just not a good time for me to have a baby. Um, You know, even higher. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. The pregnancy centers, the pregnancy care centers, the pregnancy medical clinics, they're demeaned and derided all the time by mainstream media and, of course, the pro-abortion left. But they are the ones who care about people after they're born, as you were detailing. I mean, they're the ones who help with material assistance. They're the ones who help with emotional, spiritual assistance. And they connect with other agencies or organizations that do that whole wraparound. They are the ones who care. In fact, they need our help more than ever because the need has increased but this is what love does. I just want to encourage people. This is what love does. It sacrifices itself in order to elevate others. So I really encourage people, find your local pregnancy center. You go to pregnancycenters.org. That's the easiest way to find your local pregnancy center by putting in your zip code and find ways that you could just shower love on a mama and a dad and, and their child born and unborn. If you're just joining us, our guest this segment has been Brian Bomberger. He is the chief creative officer at the Radiance Foundation and also co-author of She is She, a wonderful new book celebrating girlhood and the forthcoming He is He, which celebrates boyhood and all that comes with that. Ryan, tell us how our audience can continue to follow your work and find you online and all the great things that you do uh, for the Radiance Foundation. They can go to radiance.life. That's the easiest way to get to our website. We're still on social media for now until they completely kick us off. Uh, We've been threatened and suspended so many times, but go to radiance.life. You can order She is She. You can also pre-order He is He by going to our website and see all the content that we have that is fearless, factual, and freeing. Amazing. As always, it's so great whenever I can catch up with you. I do follow your family online on Facebook, all the great pictures of of your kids and all the stuff that you do. So proud to know you and Bethany and the work that you do. Um, It's so needed. And so we appreciate you being with us today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you, Marie. Take care. So this is the part of the show where we bring in DK to talk about all the great stuff that we've talked about today. Come on in, DK. Hola. Well, hello there, sir. How are you? How's it going? It's okay. going. Gracias. Yeah, that was a great interview. Ryan is such an amazing person. I mean, you know, so many people who have risen from circumstances like his, um, you know, if they're even allowed to live. So, you know, kudos to Sharon, his birth mom, um, for the choice that she made, but also his uh, adoptive parents who were amazing people, by the way, if you've read anything about Ryan's story, and I do encourage you to go radiance.life and read all about the amazing Bomberger family. Um, But uh, just what he's done with his life and now Bethany, um, and they've raised, uh, you know, their family. And so the fact that they've, uh, taken on to, to re-educate these kids that are growing up in the society, I got to tell you, DK, um, I, when I saw that, um, next Netflix series the other day with that little animal, I don't even know what it was. I think it was a goat. Um, you know, oh, my name is Freddie and I'm just really confused. And I say they, them, because, you know, I'm, I'm so confused about how I feel and that just makes me comfortable. You know, all these feelings about feeling comfortable and all of this kind of stuff, you know, I feel like I'm 50 pounds lighter, but that don't make it so. 
Um, I feel like I, you know, should be the queen of England, but I'm not. So, you know, that, that how I feel, I mean, should I adopt a fake British accent and walk around cheerio, you know, and make people bow before me? Cause that's really in essence what you're doing when you're telling me what your pronouns are and you get on my case because I don't use your pronouns. That's like me taking my scepter and banging you on the head sirloin of beef. If you know that reference from Bugs Bunny, you know, bopping you on the head saying you didn't address me by my pronouns, her Royal majesty or whatever it is, you know, uh, and not caving into what my reality is that that's the same thing. Yeah. Well, I, I try to use people's pronouns be only because a lot of these trans people are huge and they can be very loud and throw tantrums. So. Did you get beat up DK? No, no, no. But I've been, I've been <laughs> situations where <laughs> But in uncomfortable situations, you know, uh, it's like that famous interview with uh, Ben Shapiro did. You know, Ben Shapiro's like a little guy, and he was on this panel, well, like ten years or longer ago, where um, they sat him next to a Navy SEAL who was who became like a trans woman. There was a Navy SEAL, and he was a huge man who decided he was a trans woman, and Ben Shapiro turned to him at one point and says. Uh, called called him sir, and the and the, the huge guy said he was going to send Ben Shapiro home in a in a body bag. I think <laughs> it, was, it was, but not many women could have done that. No, but you, you know? know, so it, me you choose your poison. Are you a woman? Well, if you're a woman, then you're not going to put him in a body bag. That's the thing about a lot of yeah. trans women. Yeah. If you call them him, they'll remind you unintentionally that they're men very quickly, <laughs> you know, maybe with the right cross and the left hook, they'll remind you very quickly that these are men, you know, it might be very physical men. But uh, speaking of that, uh, we were talking about, um, earlier we were talking about uh, trans and sports, that I was watching this debate where this, um, this panel, and most of the panel was very liberal, and they asked the panel if if uh, trans women should be allowed to compete against women in in, in, uh, in sports, and and as was of course because trans women are women, so why wouldn't they be allowed to compete in a woman's sports? And it occurred to me that this discussion is always one-sided. You know, if trans women are women, then why aren't trans men men? And if a trans man is a really a man then how come you never see a trans man compete against biological men in most sports? You know, you never see like a trans man, you know, a woman decide, deciding that she's really a man and as proof of her masculinity, want to jump in the ring with Floyd Mayweather or guard LeBron James or run, run a race against uh, Usain Bolt. And you ask him, well, why don't you, if since you're a man, why don't you compete against the men? Yeah. Say, no, because I'm a woman. <laughs> I'm a biological woman. So how can I possibly fight yeah. Floyd Mayweather? So that whole argument becomes very suspect uh, immediately, you know. Just, I see a whole list of uh, trans men athletes. And all except one exception. There was one exception where a a woman became a man and was still able to do very well in long distance running. 
But every other example I've seen of women become men, they do it after their athletic career is over. You know, you see Leah Thompson, who was a man, compete against women, but you never see a, a you never see a female swimmer decide that she's a man and compete against yeah. men. So, so I I think it's a little shady that whole trans women are women, therefore they should be allowed to compete against a women argument. Well, you know, uh, Riley Gaines, who swam against Leah which is short for William, by the way, William Thomas, um, says, you know, that men have bigger feet, they have bigger lungs, they have um, longer strokes, their arms are longer so they can hit the wall faster, I mean, before a woman can, because, you know, when it's hundreds of seconds and your arm is longer, you just have to reach out your arm, even if your time is the same, you just reach out your arm because it's longer and you get there first. So, you know, all of those things, um, and, but we're erasing these records. Um, and like I said, we need to have an asterisk like we did with Bobby Bonds, because uh, I, don't, I don't think it's right and I don't think it's fair. And not only are they losing scholarships and they're losing opportunities, but um, I heard a study where it said <clears throat> something, a really high percentage of women, I want to say it was uh, above 90% of women who went on to become CEOs, participated in sports, at the high school and college level, that that gave them the confidence and leadership skills. So if you think about women breaking the glass ceiling and women who own businesses and, and head businesses, um, it's a lot in part due to their uh, the leadership that they the leadership lessons that they learned in competitive sports, and we're taking that away because why would I? join the track team now why would i join the swim team now if you know 12 you know somebody who's uh six foot five and you know 300 pounds is going to be on the swim team now then what point is it for me to what you know why would i even join if what how could i even advance beyond that what how's my time going to beat somebody that is so much larger than i am and has so many advantages um that i don't have uh, I, I don't get it. Well, it's interesting that anything that's uh, set up to appeal to young people from like 17 down to maybe two even, um, it's become a tool for the propagation of um, transgenderism. I mean, you're talking about sports, you know, you go, go to a, a game and there might, you might be transgender night or whatever they call it, pride night, multi, multi, uh, Gender night. We've seen it in uh, we've seen in movies. We've talked about how we see it in comic books. We we talked about how we see it in TV shows aimed at kids as young as three. You know the cross dressing that don't even know fantasy from reality. Yeah. So it's in the teachers. We they do this a lot on TikTok, which is uh, which which is very clearly aimed at young. kids who probably who generally don't seem to have a lot going on in their lives anyway if they're watching TikTok but <laughs> but um you go on TikTok you see a lot of trans people become stars by openly um pushing for a, a audience of children you know like this guy uh, Jeffrey March who's a trans person faith them he, he wears the makeup and the earrings and that and every video, I mean, so many of his TikTok videos begin with him saying, hey, kids, and he spends the rest of the 
TikTok video telling kids to go on his Patreon because he, he'll love you more than your biological, your parents will love you, your biological parents. That is sick and wrong. <laughs> and here's the thing about that. You know, um, if I were at an age where I was really confused about a lot of stuff, i.e. adolescence, hello, that's kind of the job of an adolescent, right? Is just to be confused and angsty about stuff, right? And I'm seeing somebody get attention. I'm going to copy that. I mean, why do you think that, you know, there's this whole K-pop thing? I'm not saying that it's not that the music isn't good or that, you know, there isn't talent you know, in the K-pop world. I'm just saying when one thing gets famous, then everybody wants to emulate that, right? When one kind of movie gets famous, then everybody wants, you know, that kind of a thing. And so when you see that and you see it emulated, if somebody's getting attention and they're wearing a big shiny wig and, you know, everybody's touching all over their genitals, I mean, that's just, that's crazy to me. I mean, that's attention getting. So if you're somebody that's seeking attention and you need attention and you see that some YouTuber or some TikToker uh, is getting that kind of attention. That may not be where your head is at, but it may be where you go because that's what you need to affirm these confusing, conflicting feelings that are all part of adolescence. And if you leave it alone, generally speaking, it goes away. Um, you know, but we're adding onto it. And, and Ryan Bomberger said something really important. You know, he was talking about you know, we're giving kids all of these drugs during a really kind of confusing time and all of this kind of stuff. Here's the thing with the suicidal ideation. You're dealing with a population that is already dealing with a mental illness. We talked about that it's in the DSM-5. So already you've got a population that is struggling with a mental illness during a time of life where there's hormones and all of this confusion and who am I and what am I? And they, they, their brains are not fully developed until they're 24. You're giving them this crazy mix of cocktails that just exacerbate things. You're cutting off healthy body parts. Um, it didn't fix the problem that they thought it would fix. And now they're suicidal. Well, hello, you gave somebody that already had a mental illness this cocktail of drugs and you expect that that's going to clear it up. And when chopping off all these body parts didn't work, you're surprised that it didn't fix things. Your license needs to be revoked if that's what you really thought. Well, uh, there's a term that a lot of doctors are using doctors who aren't, you know, completely into this transgender cult and they call it social contagion. Yes. When, um, it's basically people giving into peer pressure. You know, you see everyone around you doing doing something or dressing a certain way or liking liking a certain kind of music, or being influenced by the trans movement. It makes you more likely to to uh, be affected by this trend, also. And I think I think what we've seen is a lot of kids who would be otherwise healthy, um, like this doctor was listening to earlier, uh, Deborah So, she was making the point that not everybody with uh, gender dysphoria is uh, a trans person. The, the two terms aren't synonymous. Of course, a lot of people become um, a trans, not because they have gender dysphoria, but or because they suffer from some, some form of autism, or they might, might be a young girl who's very 
uncomfortable having her period every month or it might be a boy who who is feeling uh, an attraction to another boy and subtly in today's culture that becomes a license for uh, you know castration and puberty blockers and the pressure put upon parents is tremendous because um, even if you want to prevent your child from going down this road, you'll likely be faced with some sort of authority, whether it be a doctor or a teacher who will tell you that your choices are to either have a living daughter or dead son. Yeah. Meaning that That's black, um, man. Mm -hmm. if you don't, if you don't give this person the puberty blockers and approve Affirm. all the mm -hmm. top surgery and bottom surgery and so forth, that you, it's you're your gonna, fault. You're gonna cause the, you're gonna cause your child to commit suicide. So it's the worst kind of emotional blackmail. Blackmail. Saying mm -hmm. that's absolutely right. Well, this has been a great discussion on African-American conservatives. I just want to wrap up by reminding you to go to acons.substack.com. That's where you'll find all of our information. And so uh, you can find the podcast there, our commentary there, uh, links to social media and everything else. And again, that we hope that you will consider contributing to the show and supporting our great work. So until then, it's Marie. It's DK saying uh, good day, good afternoon, good evening uh, for another episode of African American Conservatives, The Soul, The Conservative Movement. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of African American Conservatives, The Soul of the Conservative Movement. You can find us online at acons.substack.com, anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S, and also, you can support our work at anchor.fm forward slash AACONS forward slash support.